Well, my goal has always been to, to create something generational. And, and, and I think that's the beauty of having men step up the way they need to step up is that when you go out into the world and you change one man, the way that we're doing here, if I just change one individual, well, that individual then impacts his wife. He impacts his sons and daughters. He impacts his coworkers and his employees and even his employers, his clients, certainly. He impacts the community and his neighbors and the people that he serves on boards with and goes to church with. And now what do those people then go do? Because that one individual was in their lives. Well, then that man goes on to impact his kids and his community and his business. And it's incalculable when you change a man for the better or for the worse, frankly, it's incalculable the rippling effect that has on an individual. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing, exciting guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is the founder of the movement that is known as the Order of Man. He has over 35 thousand men that are members of the Order of Man on Facebook. He's got a phenomenal podcast. He's written several books. He does tons of events standing for men to be in their greatness. And he is someone that I respect and I'm so honored to have on this show. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Ryan Mickler. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Nikki, what's up, man? That is quite the introduction. I hope I live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the things we're known for on the show, my man. I love it. I love it. Gets me all fired up. All right, then. So listen, Ryan, the people that listen to this show tend to be entrepreneurs. Most of them are solopreneurs, although not all of them. And they all make a living by their expertise. They love listening to this show because they get to learn from great experts like you, not only what your message is, but how you commercialized your message, how you got past needing to be that dreaded salesperson, because most, most of them hate selling. They hate that traditional fuller brush type salesperson. They want to know your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Ryan Mickler? <laughs> well, I'm still working on that. I, I don't know if I've arrived, but uh, constantly working on that, which I think is probably a testament to just just improving every day, right? Just getting better and better and better. And you know, what's really interesting is when I started Order of Man, I didn't have any any idea that it would grow and expand into what it has become now. I just I just didn't know. I started with very small and humble beginnings. I launched the podcast, I think, in March of, of 2015 and just really want to have some good conversations with some good guys so that I could be a better father and husband. Uh, I grew up without a father figure in my life and had yeah. a couple of stepdads come into my life who were not great examples or role models of, of what it meant to be a man and how a guy shows up for his wife and how he shows up for his kids. And so as I got married and began to have my own children, I floundered, man. I really floundered. 
And I felt for a lot of my, my early part of my marriage, it was, it was just running around, like trying to figure it out and trying to stay on top of it. And my wife and I had a lot of resentment and bitterness and animosity towards each other because I didn't really step up the way that I felt like I, I could have and should have. Uh, so I, I went through a lot, man. I experienced a lot and found some good guys in my life. This is kind of the 30,000 foot overview, but found some really good guys in my life um, to mentor me, to guide me, to coach me, to be examples directly and indirectly and through what I learned from them and what they taught me. Uh, I, I was man, I was able to lock some things down, you know, with regards to my fitness and how I was showing up and my business started to expand. And I felt like I had a great, great opportunity to share some of these ideas and insights and and what I learned with with other men who I feel like were were in a very similar uh, circumstances I was, and I certainly don't want those guys to go through that. So that's that's what leads me to to do what I'm doing now. You know what, man? That's a heck of a story. And would you agree with me that a lot of men are lost today? I I think the majority of men are lost. Yes. Yeah, maybe even the overwhelming majority of men are lost today. Yeah, and it's really a shame. I think we've lost a lot of what it means to be a man. Um, I certainly think we've lost a lot of the traditions that are passed down uh, or should be passed down from fathers and the rites of passages that we once clinged onto and, and learned a lot from. And we leave children as a society up to explore their own, well, sexuality and their own sex, gender. And we expect that these kids are going to figure it out on their own. And what we have is a, a generation of not only boys, but girls as well, growing up with a confusion and a, and a lack of understanding about who they are and how they're supposed to show up in this world. And, and so we see a lot of young guys between my work and your work as well, that, you know, they didn't have these dads showing them the way, showing them the path. And they had to figure out a lot of it on their own. And they can see some real gaps and shortfalls in the way that they're showing up in their lives. 100%. And what's happening is that because a lot of men are lost, they aren't living at their best self. In fact, they're floundering. I thought that was a really good word that you used when you were telling your own story. Many of these men aren't fit. They're out of shape. They're on the couch. They're not in touch with what their purpose is. They're not in touch with what their dreams are. If they're married, they're not being the best husband they can be to their wives. If they're not married, they're uh, maybe unsure if they want to get married. There's this whole movement out there called MGTOW. Have you heard of it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it, it's basically they, they, these men who are, who've thrown up their hands and said, hey, they don't want to have anything to do with, uh, with marriage, which I think is the saddest thing in the world. I want to know, Ryan, truly, brother, what's your vision for helping these men? That's a really good question. I think at the end of the day, I, I really want to empower these guys to be able to come up with some solutions to their own problems. You know, I know, I know it's, it's, it's really interesting because as we run our group, and, and you had mentioned it, we've got, man, over 50, I think 3,000 men in that group now. Crazy. And it is. It's, it's, well, it's a testament to the fact that it's much needed. But I, I, I listen to these guys and I see how, how lost they are. And, and quite honestly, sometimes a little pathetic. And, and I say that, I want to be very cautious when I say that uh, because I, I don't want them to think that I'm, 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 maybe downplaying them or picking on them or anything like that. But man, it, it quite, it quite honestly is pretty pathetic. And then what I see a lot of guys will do is, is when somebody has a question, um, a lot of guys will rush in to solve their problems, you know, like, Oh, I'll fix it. This is what you have to do. Do a, B and C, which, you know, could be true and could be helpful. Sure. But it's that old adage of teach a man to fish versus feed him a fish, right? Mm -hmm. Like my goal to come back to your, your question there is to empower men to 
to come up with their own solutions, to be solution oriented, to see a problem and not just see it because I think that's the easy part, but to identify solutions. And although the, those solutions may not be perfect, they may not be ideal, they may not even work, but at least they're, at least they're forward thinking, at least they're moving in the right direction. And mm. through the process of understanding how to solve your own problems, you become a significantly better husband, father, business owner, community leader, just a better man in general. So that is my ultimate 30,000 foot view vision for what I want to do for the men who choose to engage in this battle with us. That's amazing. You know, I, I was reading a book by uh, Brian Scudamore. I'm actually going to be interviewing him in January. And I don't know if you know who he is. He is the founder Nothing. of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. You heard of that okay. company? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a half a billion dollar company. It's growing like crazy. And he's, you know, he's a serial entrepreneur. And there's a quote in the book. And the quote goes something like this, that if your vision can be accomplished in your lifetime, it isn't big enough. Mm. You know, and when I read that, I went, holy tamales, man. That's <laughs> so bang on right? And your vision, ain't no way it's going to be accomplished in your lifetime, Ryan. Well, my goal has always been to, to create something generational. And, and, and I think that's the beauty of having men step up the way they need to step up, is that when you go out into the world and you change one man the way that we're doing here, if I just change one individual, well, that individual then impacts his wife. He impacts his sons and daughters. He impacts his coworkers and his employees and even his employers, his clients, certainly. He impacts the community and his neighbors and the people that he serves on boards with and goes to church with. And now what do those people then go do? Because that one individual was in their lives. Well, then that man goes on to impact his kids and his community and his business. And it's incalculable when you change a man for the better or for the worse, frankly, it's incalculable the rippling effect that has on an individual. So I've always had this idea that it's our job to create generational legacies for, it's not for us, it's, we're not gonna be around. It's for those who would benefit from what we've provided and the path that we've carved along the way. I like that, I like how you put that. It, it is a generational legacy. So Ryan, let's deconstruct how you serve men. Let's talk a little bit about what you think are the important principles that men need to be aware of and how they can go about implementing them in their lives to their own benefit and to the pe benefit of the people that they love. Sure. Yeah. I mean, how do you want to go about doing that? We can well, break protect, it down as best as you want. protect, provide, preside, man. I love that. Let's start with that. Sure. Yeah, I think, and I wrote this in, in my book, Sovereignty, is uh, I think there's a lot of confusion, especially today, about what a man's role is. And we hear people say, oh, traditional gender roles. Well, those are societal constructs. No, they're not. They, they may be reinforced societally for a good reason, and we can talk about that. But at the end of the day, we as men are biologically hardwired to perform as a, a certain set of duties and responsibilities. And because of the hormones and the chemicals racing through our, our bodies, we are more predisposed to complete some of these things like being protectors, providers, and presiders, leadership. And, and I have a lot of people say, well, women can do those things too. And the answer is certainly. I know of plenty of women. I mean, my mom raised me and my sister primarily on her own. And so she was the protector, she was the provider, and she was the leader, the presider of the household, no doubt. So women are fully capable. But that being said, I think generally speaking, and there's outliers to this, 
But generally speaking, men are going to be in a better position to fulfill those obligations, responsibilities. And women, generally speaking, are going to be better equipped to be the nurturers and the supporters uh, and, and show the love and the empathy that our, our young ones need to thrive and grow up in a healthy environment. So I, I, once, once I identified for me what it is ultimately that I am supposed to be doing, and I have a lot of people will say things like, well, Ryan, what's your, what's your purpose? Like, what's your calling or what's your why is, is the common question I get. And mine is to be that protector, provider, presider. And now that, and, and we can break down what that means, but now that I know what it is I'm supposed to be doing, I can work backwards. I can reverse engineer into the way that I show up and I can look at the food I'm eating, for example, which a lot of people might think is trivial. And I can say, is this going to help me be a better protector, provider, presider? If the answer is yes, I move towards it. If the answer is no, I move away from it. I don't have it all locked down at all times, but ultimately that's my objective. Uh, if it comes to the business, is this business decision going to help me serve the people that I'm trying to serve more effectively? If the answer is yes, I move towards it. If the answer is no, I move away from it. Hmm. So having a very clear purpose of, of what your role and responsibility is. And, and here's the thing. I think a lot of people think that that's pigeonholes themselves into something. You know, like if, if, if I'm, I'm told I have to do this, well, no, you decide that you want to do that. You decide that you want to be the type of individual you're going to be. And if you do it in a certain set of parameters that you have identified for yourself, you become very, very powerful in the way that you show up. And so I don't, I don't go out and do everything and anything I possibly could ever want to do and think about because that doesn't help me move towards a productive outcome for me and the people I have a responsibility for. So I believe that we as men, um, through the chemicals that we have, whether it's testosterone, some of these other chemicals, and we can get into that a little bit if we need to, that we are designed to be those types of individuals. And we have been for hundreds of thousands of years, and that's not going to change anytime soon. It, it, it really isn't. It, it really, really isn't. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Women can do any of the things that men can do. Heck, my mom pretty much raised my brothers and I. I mean, my mom and my dad were together, but dad traveled on business a lot. So mom took care of us. Mom made sure we got to school. Mom kicked our butts when they needed kicking, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mom uh, made sure that uh, we did our homework. Mom took us to sports. You know, we did karate and hockey. I'm from Iran originally, you okay. know. And uh, can you imagine doing hockey in Iran in the 70s <laughs> when I grew up? We, yeah, we did geez. hockey in Iran. Is you that know? right? Yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. It's, it's crazy stuff. But we did it. And, and mom made all that stuff happen. But I'll tell you something. She would have preferred dad be around for a lot of those times. You know, well, that's a great point. And the point that I, that I see there and I hear all the time is that and, and even the way they look at this is that women are capable of doing these things and, and men are capable of doing the things that, that traditionally women have done. But it isn't that doesn't mean it's ideal. And that that's the catch. It doesn't mean that it's ideal. In an ideal world, the man would be the man and the woman would be the woman and we would fill our obligations, responsibilities and roles to the best of our ability. And when I be when I when I'm being the man then I'm allowing my wife to be the woman. And when she's being the woman, she's allowing me to be the man. The problem we run into is when one of us decide to shirk our responsibilities. Mm, when I decide true. that I'm not going to be the quote unquote man, and then I'm going to sit around on the couch and I'm going to uh, wait for her to do things. And I'm not going to engage in my kids and I'm not going to advance my skill set and try to improve who I am and make more money and add more value to the marketplace. When I let go of that obligation and responsibility, she's got to step up. 
She's got to step up and now she's filling the woman's role. She's filling the man's role and she's going to burn out and you guys are all going to crash and burn because you aren't stepping up the way you should be. And frankly, this is a societal wide problem right now. Far too many men are sitting on the couch, metaphorically speaking, and women are needing to step up and it's not working. It's just not working. So let's get deeper into what each of protect, provide, and preside means Mm -hmm. and how men can really implement these in their lives. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You want to break it down, start with protect? Let's do it. Well, obviously, I mean, if you look at men, we're, we're from a physical standpoint, we're bigger and stronger. So there's certainly an element of that. And I think that's the, that's the obvious answer, right? Is that we are supposed to be those types of individuals and, and we should, you know, if there's a natural disaster or an emergency or heaven forbid, an active shooter situation or some other violent encounter, it's up to men to handle those situations. I mean, think, think about these fires in California, the predominant, predominantly it was, it was men who were stepping up as firefighters and first responders to go out and to rescue people and to save, uh, homes and, and children and animals and everything else that they did. Right. That's because that's our job. You know, we're built to do those things. So one of the things that we had addressed earlier quite a bit actually already is that this, this lack of, uh, of health that, that men just just aren't taking care of themselves. You know, we're, we're stuffing our faces full of junk, fake food. Uh, we don't ever move. You know, the, the, the majority of the time that we move is just lifting our, our hand up to our mouth to, to cram it <laughs> full of more food or more junk or beer or whatever else it is. It's ridiculous. And then we wonder why we can't perform when we need to. We wonder why even our sex lives are in shambles. It's like we can't perform. Why we can't get a promotion? Well, you can't because you're burned out. Why you can't go spend time and jump on the trampoline with your kids? Well, you can't because you're 50 pounds overweight. So if you want to be the type of protector that we're talking about, first and foremost, get your fitness in check. Start eating good food. Start eating real food. Start working out. And that doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy a a gym membership today, but it does mean that you probably ought to wake up 15, 20, 30, 40, an hour early uh, and, and move. Stretch. Move your body. Do some jumping jacks, do some push-ups, go for a run, just walk your dog. You start doing these little things every single day and they start compounding and adding up, you are going to be more capable, not just in the protection component, but every component of life. So go out there, get your fitness in check. And one of the things that I just actually recently started doing is uh, martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I had a little, yeah, yeah, it's been great. I had a little experience in high school as a wrestler. But I felt like that was a, a real gap in the way that I was showing up as a as a protector. So uh, enrolled in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been doing that for about six or eight months, maybe not eight, probably about six months now. And, you know, I get my butt kicked every time I go in and everything else, but it makes me more capable. And it's hard and it's challenging and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward and it's humiliating sometimes as well. But these are the types of activities that I choose to engage in because they make me better at, at who I'm supposed to be, who I have the capacity to become. So yeah, I, I think we owe it to ourselves to, to get our fitness in check, to get our health in check, to get our, our, our food dialed in, to get some training when it comes to martial arts. So we do have the capacity to defend ourselves. Um, I'm also a believer in that, that man is a, and I, I heard this quote one once, man is a tool wielding animal with them. He is everything without them. He's nothing. You know, we've been creating tools to improve our situation since the dawn of man. And Firearms is is our tool that we can use to protect ourselves and defend our loved ones. And, you know, I know that's a controversial subject, but if you don't know how to use the tools at your disposal, you're not as capable as you could potentially be. So these are some areas that I really, really focus on when it comes to protection. 
interesting you mentioned firearms. I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Warren Farrell, and I understand you've interviewed him for your podcast. And he's not a big fan of firearms, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a movie, an old movie called Shane. Do you, do you know that movie? Alan Ladd started it back in 1951. No, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't seen you, it. You want to see it? It's a great movie. It's it's very masculine, manly movie. And Shane talks about a gun is a tool. It's only as good or bad as the man wielding it. That's right? exactly right. And, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and you know, I live in Canada where <laughs> it's practically impossible to have a gun over here. But <laughs> I've definitely taking the time to train myself to be able to use other tools if need be. Back in September of 2017, a very close friend of mine was uh, shot and murdered in Toronto, which is relatively, uh, not relatively, it's been generally known as a uh, city that is safe. But my buddy ran afoul of somebody, I guess. They still don't know who or why. And Mm. uh, someone walked up to him and and, and pumped him full of lead and he died. And after that happened, I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. I felt like, my God, this could happen to him. It could happen to anybody. And then a friend of mine told me about Tim Larkin. I don't know if you know who Tim Larkin is. But uh, the name rings a bell. Maybe maybe if you say something, I yeah, he is a former. Um, uh, he didn't graduate from the SEALs, but he was in the SEALs, okay. and he was gonna graduate. And then he burst his eardrum. He was actually gonna be the honor graduate. He burst mm. his eardrum underwater. He almost died. Like if it oh, weren't geez. for the line taking him down there, he would have. He ended up being in military intelligence, and now he teaches something called target focus training, which he basically teaches civilians. Uh, how to defend themselves if someone's coming to take you out, right? Right. And um, you want to have Tim on your podcast. I've had him on mine. Check out Target Focus Training. Cool, and, yeah, I'll definitely check Yeah, out. yeah. And he's uh, he's out of Vegas. Um, amazing guy. I've done his program twice. And, uh, he, you know, he's. I think it's episode 101 of my podcast. I'll, I'll send you the link so you can check cool. it out. But this guy showed me how I could defend myself. I feel... That, I mean, heaven forbid, I don't ever want to be in this situation, but if right. someone even came at me with a knife or a gun, I could defend myself. Might get hurt, you know, but uh, now that I know the information that Tim taught me, the chances of me surviving that altercation are way higher. Sure. Right? And it, that's important, not just for me to be able to defend myself, but to be able to defend my loved ones. I mean, you know, you're a family man, I'm a family man. If I'm out and someone, you know, decides to come at my family, I don't want to be cowering in a corner somewhere. I want to be out right. there taking care of business, right? Right, right. That's exactly right. And we know of plenty of stories of men who cowered in the corner and shirked their responsibilities as men. Uh, and it's a, it's a shame and it's a, a travesty that, you know, people, people are injured and people die because of that. No, they totally do. You know, in Sweden, in the last several years, there have been tons of stories of, uh, you know, folks getting attacked, especially, unfortunately, by some of the new migrant communities that have come into Sweden. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the folks over there come from societies where folks are, let's face it, from a different cultural background than Sweden. Sweden is one of the most tolerant places on earth. And some of the cultures these folks have come from, and I speak having come from one of these cultures, some of the most intolerant cultures in the world. So a lot of women have been attacked, and the men haven't been stepping up to defend their women. And I thought to myself, man, if this happened in Texas, forget about it, right? Those, right. those guys attacking those women, they'd be done. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be gone because those cowpokes yep. would, would, you know, pull out a gun or step in and beat the crap out of these guys or take them out with a shot. Right? Yeah. And, and, 100%. Yeah. And um, 
you know, a good friend of mine, uh, Chad House, who also does work with men, he did a Facebook Live on this a couple years back. He talked about the difference between masculinity in a place like Texas versus in a place like Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I think it's very important to be able to protect. So let's go over provide. Okay. Yeah. So provision, again, I mean, the knee-jerk reaction is right to think of financial provision. And, and certainly it's that. It's certainly that. Uh, and I know a lot of dynamics, family dynamics don't necessarily work like that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of individuals who, you know, maybe that maybe the husband stays at home or, or, or the wife is the primary breadwinner or, or she even makes more than her husband. And so there's situations in which this always doesn't work, but there's also data and research out there that suggests that the likelihood of, of animosity and resentment, and maybe even some contention and bitterness within a marriage are drastically increased. Uh, should a man not be the one out in the workforce? Now, I'm not going to say that you have to do it this way because if you have a dynamic that works for you, great, it works for you. But I know plenty of men who are are staying at home uh, or aren't out in the workforce or maybe even they're disabled and, and they can't uh, and they feel completely inadequate as men because they know that they're not fulfilling their responsibilities as men. Uh, it's a serious problem. So I do believe that men should be the ones who are going out into the workforce and and working and providing and bringing home the bacon, if you will, and, and making sure that their family's taken care of. And if the dynamic doesn't work that way, that's okay. But I think a man still has an obligation to, to develop skills and ideas and insights so that should something happen to maybe his, his wife or uh, the family dynamic changes where potentially his wife has kids, right, for the first time, that he is fully capable of going out into the world and bringing home money to provide for his family. But outside of that, there's other components of this as well. There's mental provision. There's knowledge and information that we are to be sharing. There's uh, spiritual provision and ensuring that your children and your wife are taken care of the way they need to be taken care of financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every capacity that we can. And we do that through the last component, which I know we'll get into in a minute, but being leaders, just being examples. And a lot of people say, I want to be a leader. I want to be a manager. I want to be the boss. I want the title, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's fine that you want those things and you have aspirations for those things. But if you aren't willing to turn around and, and look in the mirror and focus on yourself first, if you can't even lead yourself first, how are you going to ever be able to lead anybody else or provide any sort of provision, again, physically, mentally, or emotionally to another individual? You can't. And so, so many men are looking at these external things like, I want to lead, except for they can't even get out of bed without hitting the snooze button. So if you want to be a provider, learn to provide for yourself, learn to be self-reliant, self-sufficient, learn new skills, develop new skills, and ultimately you will be a uh, better provider for your family and in your neighborhood. I have nothing to add. That was perfect. <laughs> perfect. Good. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, let's go to preside. Yeah, preside is synonymous with leadership. And I think this is the one most people kind of question or, or have a question about. But yeah, I mean, we're leaders. As men, we're leaders. People are looking to us. They're looking to us as an example on how to behave. And what's interesting about this is you don't get to decide if you're a leader or not. There's always somebody watching you and you are always influencing somebody, whether it's a podcast conversation like this or the way that you work out at the gym. Somebody notices you do something that it, that that you're going above and beyond and that are inspired by that, or they see you shirking and cheating yourself. And then they use that as an opportunity and an excuse to do it for themselves. I mean, we're always and constantly being looked at. So whether you're leading in your home, you're leading your kids and your wife, or you're leading in the business and you've got employees and clients that you're, you're helping and, or you're leading in the neighborhood and a community or board of advisors or some sort of ecclesiastical service or calling, you are a leader. 
And at the root of what it means to be a man is to serve, is to serve other people. First is to take care of ourselves so that we can serve, but ultimately it's to turn around and, and help, you know, help those people we have an obligation for, help those people who are less fortunate, help those people who can't help themselves. And we do that by taking care of ourselves, by leading ourselves. And then from there, working our way outward. So it doesn't go from, I'm going to start taking care of myself to become the president of the United States. No, it starts with, I'm going to work on myself and then I'm going to focus on the next unit of measurement, which is my family and the next unit of measurement, which is my neighborhood and the next unit of me- measurement, which is potentially my business and the next, which is my, my municipality or my city and the next is state and so on and so forth. So I, I've noticed in my life, even with order of man is that as I continue to see growth in the movement, it is a direct reflection and correlation between how effective I am as a human being, not necessarily a leader, but just a human being. Am I not hitting the snooze? Am I going into the gym? Am I eating right? Am I leading my family? Am I having conversations with them? Am I adding value? And the more that I do that in my own life, the more influence that I have in other men's lives. And ultimately that's what we should be striving for. We should be striving for influence. So a lot of people talk about leading and managing and people following them. No, you should, you should have a desire to be influential. But the interesting thing about having influence is, is that other people get to decide whether or not they will be influenced by you. It's not your decision. It's theirs. So we have to do the things and implement the practices in our lives in order for people to want to be, to voluntarily raise their hand and say, I will be influenced, Nikki, by you, or I will be influenced by Ryan, and I will do things because I see the way they're doing things. That's what it means to be a leader. Wow, that was awesome. You know, a big part of what we say here at the Thought Leader Revolution podcast is that you want to up-level your impact, your influence, and your income. I used to say 10x your impact, influence, and income. But since Grant Cardone owns that whole 10x space, yeah, I think we're yeah. going to have to go with 20 or 100x. There but, you go. But that's what it's all about. I really, really love the way that you deconstructed these three elements Protect, provide, and preside. It's really powerful stuff. So, Ryan, a little while ago, you posted the Mickler Family Code of Conduct on Facebook. And I tell you what, I told my sons that that weekend we were going to sit down over dinner and we were going to create our own Billu Family Code of Conduct. So we went ahead and did that. And I'd like to share that with you. Awesome. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So here goes. So here's the Billu family code of conduct. Number one, always tell the truth. So why that's important is pretty self-explanatory, right? We don't want to raise liars in our family. Sure. Number two, be respectful to others. And again, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Number three, be kind to others. See number two for why that's important. Number four, and I think this is super important, is do what you say. Far too many men don't always do what they say. And, you know, there was a time where being a man was synonymous with doing what you said. Wasn't mm-hmm. that true, Ryan? I, I believe that's true. I think it's important that we be, be men of our word, for sure. Number five, face difficult decisions with courage and bravery. I kind of stole this from, from the Micklers. I hope you don't mind. I don't mind, man. This is the, what we're talking about with influence, right? Yeah, yeah. Number six, be good. 
Number seven, be disciplined. Number eight, always give your best to achieve your goals. Number nine, I think you're going to like this one. Keep physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually fit and strong. Mm. Number 10, take responsibility for your words and actions. Number 11, learn from your mistakes. And number 12, and again, I kind of stole this from the Micklers, protect, provide, and preside for our family and loved ones. Right on. So so I want to say that you inspired us to do this. And this was a good half hour that my sons and I spent together. I'm going to be printing up some copies of this. I'm going to have them framed. I'm going to give my sons their own copy of this. I'm going to keep one for myself. And and I thank you for inspiring me to do this because I think every man should do this with his kids. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's so important that we have a foundation for the way that we're going to behave. Because if we wait, if we wait, until we get in the heat of the moment or a decision that's a difficult decision to make before we start thinking about how we should respond. It's very easy for us to get caught up in the emotions and the, in the situation itself and make a clouded decision. Now you might make the right decision, but just the fact that it's clouded compromises your ability to make the accurate decision. So the way I look at having this code of conduct is that I now have a basis for the way I will behave in situations when my, my emotions may potentially be compromised. So, and, and the other thing too, is that now that me and my, my children have, I identified the way in which we behave, it's very easy to go back and say, hey, you are not treating others with respect right now. Remember when we talked about that and we included that in the code of conduct? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Good. What do we need to do to move forward and to ensure that we uphold this contract with ourselves? And it's a very good reminder and a basis and a clear expectation of, of how we are to show up as Micklers. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to do the same with my two boys where I'm going to have them actually sign this uh, once I print it up and we're, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we put it up in the house because I think it's really, really important. Excellent. So, Ryan, I want to talk a little bit, switch gears and talk about how to commercialize your thought leadership because mm-hmm. you're doing that very well. I would, I would argue you're a thought leader. You, you're a heart-based thought leader. You're leading from the heart, you care about the people that you serve, but there's no question that you've come up with some unique intellectual property and that you've found a way to commercialize it. So I want to talk for a moment about the principles of a heart-centered thought leader and why this works. So number one, obviously you need to care about people. You need to have a deep desire to be of service to people and a particular group of people that you identify and have affinity with. What are your comments on that? Yeah, I, I I think that's the foundation. You know, you you have to know who you serve. You have to know why you want to serve these individuals. You have to be willing to be a champion of that cause. Um, I think a lot of people out there will have the idea that I need to serve everybody because it's the largest pool to draw from. Uh, I I can certainly Terrible understand idea. the yeah. I mean, I can understand the appeal of it, but it's not a good idea because what you end up doing is you end up watering down your message in an environment in which messages need to stand out. They need to be bold and assertive and and a little risky, frankly, in order to stand out above the sea of sameness, right? Everybody's the same. Oh my God. I say that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's so true. Everybody is the same. We say the same thing. We talk the same way. We dress the same way. And the more that you do that, the less likely it is that people will find you. And, and it's important that they find you. A lot of people think that's self-serving. Like, oh, it's, it's narcissistic to want to be inspiring to other people. Maybe it is, but the other side of it too is that if you truly believe in what it is you're doing and the message you have to share, shouldn't you want people to find you? 
Like you might actually save an individual that has been looking for you or your message for their entire life. And if you have it, you have an obligation to shout it from the mountaintops in a way that's going to be impactful in their life, not some watered down nonsense in order to keep everybody safe and secure and, and, and comfortable uh, with the status quo. There are no safe spaces in thought leadership, brother. Whether, yeah, I, I agree, because if you can't ruffle some feathers, you're probably not really a thought leader at all. You're just regurgitating what a bunch of other people say and believe in. Probably not. I was going to say think, but they probably don't even think that. They just say what other people, what they think other people want them to say. No, that's 100% correct. See, here's the thing. Thought leadership, one of my mentors taught me this a few years back. Thought leadership that's relevant needs to repel as many people as it attracts. You know? Yes. Yeah. So that's very powerful. So the second thing is obviously you need to think, you need to have some IP, you need to have some original thoughts <laughs> and they need to be married to your desire to serve this particular group of people. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and, and, and that's true. You do need to have your own thoughts and you also need to have your, you, you need to have, well, frankly, the balls to share it, you know, cause it's not easy. And it's not comfortable. And when you put something out into the world that's controversial and, and people, a certain subset of, of, of people won't, won't like or appreciate or agree with or at, are adamantly opposed to it, well, then you're going to offend people. You're going to upset people. And they're going to come back at you. And unless you're willing to, to deal with that, to face that, then you really don't have any right to be in the game at all. In fact, you won't be in the game long because you'll cower in the corner because you're afraid of what other people say and think about you. Now, this is not a, this is not an easy task, you know, and, and I'll be the first to admit that even today in the wake of all the horrible things, things people have said to me, uh, you know, it, it still impacts me. It still affects me. Mm. Uh, but I realize that the mission is greater than the way that I might feel about what one person says about who I am or how I show up. I'm, I'm convicted. I, I know what it is I stand for. I believe in it because I think about it every single day constantly. And that conviction, keep, conviction keeps me going. You know, the most important thing you can do for your client is to come from being 100% convinced that mm. what you have to say is going to make a massive difference in their lives. And it's the best thing out there for them. So kudos. Right. So number three you need to have clarity. Your message has to be clear. I mean, you alluded to that in your answer to the first pillar that I talked to you about. Sure. But it's very important for you to have a very clear message that very clearly solves a problem that your audience cares about and cares about solving very deeply. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, clarity is is critical. I feel like I did address this a little bit when I when I said it earlier. You but did. You did. Th this takes this takes a lot of time, actually, and a lot of intentionality to sit down because the way that we think about things is so broad and so diverse. We have so many different messages and stimulus coming into our bodies and minds at, at any given point, and we're bombarded with marketing messages and everything else. And so, uh, it, it's really easy to want to say yes to everything and want to share everything, and I want to cover this and I want to cover that and I want to serve everybody. And it's not, it's just not going to work. You're going to burn yourself out. Nobody's going to find you, which is what I had said earlier, but you need to be very clear and you need to be very bold and you need to be very assertive when you are sharing your opinions and sharing the way that you view the world. It's not going to make people happy, but it's going to make the right people happy. And what they're going to say is they're going to say, man, you're saying what I've been thinking for the past 10 or 20 years. You start hearing that from the people that you're working to serve and you find out pretty quickly that you are indeed on the right track, although 
some people just aren't going to like it. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. It's, that's, not meant that's to, totally it's not meant for everybody. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, you, you know, I, we don't go out of our way to offend people on purpose. However, no, the goal is not to be offensive. The goal is to appeal to the right people. Exactly. And, and whether exactly. or not people decide to be offended is on them. Yeah, 100%. So last but not least, hashtag don't do it alone. Mm. Biggest problem that my team and I encounter when we work with thought leaders, be they a rank beginner, a newcomer, be they virtually a celebrity thought leader, like a world beater, is they're doing it alone. And right. what I've found is that when we put together people in a heart-based, love-based community with the right information to show them how to take their thought leadership to the next level, again, whether they're starting from scratch or whether they're already making seven, eight figures a year and they want to step it up to another level, is if you don't do it alone, you're going to make a decade's worth of progress in just a couple of days. What are your thoughts on that? That that's a hundred percent true. I think we've begun, especially men, I think have begun to to buy into this lie that, you know, the it's the lone wolf, right? And we look at guys like like James Bond and Jason Bourne, and we think that these are the the benchmark of what it means to be a man and that I don't need anybody else's help and F well, other people's thoughts and the zero F's mentality. And man, the, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's such a travesty that people are unwilling to ask for help, that they're unwilling to band with other people who, uh, who think like them and who can motivate and inspire them. I almost lost my financial planning practice two, three years out of the gate because I was so arrogant and, and ego driven that I couldn't reach out for help. And it wasn't until I reached out that I solicited some advice from a couple of guys in my office that my actually, that my, my business actually started to turn around, that it started to grow and it continued to grow. And in fact, I sold it about four months ago, but I wouldn't have done that if I couldn't drop the ego and really reach out for help and see what other people were doing and band with people who could help me produce results in my life. So yeah, it's critical that we find people who are, are thriving and, and associate with those types of individuals. Well said, brother. Well said. So Ryan, we'd like to end off each episode by asking you, our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on to take their life and their business to the next level? What say you? I think number one is find some time in your day. And, and I would suggest that you do this early in the morning before you actually get into the, the meat of your day is to just have some reflection time. You know, we're so busy, we're so consumed, we're, we're, we're constantly bombarded with messaging and people are constantly demanding our time. And so it's really, really crucial that we carve out, even if it's 15 or 20 minutes and think about, you know, what do I want to accomplish today? If, to, if today was the perfect day, what would it look like? What, what five things do I need to get done today? And what order should I do those things? And what does my vision look like for next quarter or next year or the next 10 years? And just sit with yourself in a quiet space thinking about all the things that you want to accomplish. And, and ultimately you, you can put those things into practice. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is along the same lines, but I would say that you need to have a planning meeting with yourself every morning. And that planning meeting is an opportunity for you to look at what needs to be accomplished, 
what you will accomplish, what obstacles could potentially get in the way from you accomplishing those things throughout the day, uh, what, what your plan of attack and what order and how are you going to prioritize these things when you're dealt with, with difficult circumstances, you have a plan, a contingency plan for dealing with those things. I've got my, I call it a battle planner, but I've got my battle planner out right here. And, um, it's pretty amazing how productive an individual can be when he actually sits down and, and plans out what it is he wants to do. So many people don't have a plan. They have it all in their head and they think that they're going to be productive. And at the end of the day, they wonder, where did all the time go? Well, you were dinking around on your phone or took a little too long in the bathroom or that conversation went a little longer than it had to, or you focused on the wrong task. That's where the time goes. But if you're not deliberate and intentional about it, uh, of course, you're going to lose that time. So I recommend some sort of planning meeting with yourself every day. And then the third action step that I would say is what I refer to as an after action review. And the after action review is a process that you go through at the end of every day. So you can see I do a lot of planning right, and reflection as well. So I visualize in the beginning of the day, I plan in the beginning of the day, and then I recap and review at the end of the day. And the after action review is a five-step process that I go through. And I actually don't wait till the end of the day. I do, I'll do this uh, after action review after this podcast because I want to make sure that I'm improving and getting better. And so the after action review is a series of five questions. And those questions are, number one, what did I accomplish and, and that alludes to the fact that you actually thought about what you wanted to do. Did I get that thing done? Number two, what did I not accomplish? And the reason this question is powerful is because it gets you to start thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. So now you're forward thinking, I didn't get X, Y, I, I got ABC done, but I didn't get X, Y, Z done. So I'm going to put that on the list for tomorrow. So you're already planning for tomorrow. This is rolling into the next day. The third question is, what did I do well? Where did I thrive? Where did I excel? Was I, was I focused? Was I able to eliminate distractions? Did I do my planning well? Did I calculate the time it would take to, to complete these activities perfectly? Where did I do well? And you're going to start to see trends in there that you can capitalize on. Fourth question, what did I not do so well? Where did I struggle? Where did I fall behind? Did I let distractions come up? Did I let people interrupt my day or interrupt my schedule? Was I checking email or Facebook or Instagram all day when I should have been doing something more powerful? So what did I not do well? And the fifth question, and this is, I think this is the most important question, is what will I do moving forward? Is it more of the same? Is it something different? Will you change it up? Will you tweak it up? Will you do the same things? Like what exactly are you planning on doing to produce the type of results you're after? That five-step process, because I've internalized it, has changed my entire life. And I know a lot of people will listen and they won't even do anything about it because it's too simple. It's like, oh, that's stupid. It's too simple. Couldn't just be possibly that easy. It's not. It's not easy. It's simple, but it takes deliberate, intentional, focused thought to be able to sit down and think about these things every single day for the rest of your life. I'm not talking about doing this for a week or a month or even a year. I'm talking about doing these things for, for your life and incorporating this as a way of living. Wow, I love that. So what did I accomplish? What didn't I accomplish? What did I do well? What didn't I do well? And what will I do going forward? That's fantastic. That's exactly right. Yep, that's love exactly it. right. Love it, love it, love it. So, Ryan, you have an amazing podcast of your own, and you've got an event coming up in April. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? Yeah. So earlier, well, I should say in 2018, I had this 
idea that I wanted to bring fathers and sons together, that I wanted to bridge the gap between men and, and their boys. So we did a, uh, an event called Legacy, three and a half day event in the, in the mountains of Southern Utah. And we pushed these boys and fathers physically, mentally, emotionally, and helped them forge stronger bonds amongst each other and created a rite of passage for fathers and their sons. So we had, we had, a, we had a great time, tremendous success. These guys did some amazing, amazing things, transformed their lives and their relationships. It was incredible. Uh, so we decided to do another one. So we're doing that um, April 11th through the 14th, I believe. I think that's the date, 11th through the 14th of April. We're going to have 20 guys come in from all over the country, potentially even the world. And these guys are going to push themselves physically, mentally, emotionally. They're going to hold each other to a high standard. They're going to come up with codes of conduct, like we were talking about earlier, with their boys. They're going to sit down and write these things out, and uh, they're going to figure out a way to forge deeper and more it's just stronger bonds with, with each other. So it's going to be powerful. Uh, if you go to orderofman.com slash legacy, that's where all the details are, including the video from the last event too. Okay, awesome. We're going to make sure we put all that in the show notes. Ryan, thank you so much, man. You've been a awesome, awesome guest. You are truly a thought leader in this space, helping men who are lost basically find their, you know, sorry to put it this way, but I'm going to put it this way, find their balls become right. warriors and badasses because that's the birthright of every man. If they live from that, they're going to have a life worth living and they're going to look back at the end of their life and go, you know what? I lived the kind of life I wanted to live and I've left behind great kids and a great legacy that's going to help make the world a better place. So kudos, man, and thank you for being on the show. It was a real honor to have you on. Right on, brother. I appreciate what you're doing. And I, I also appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you and your people that are listening. So thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure, man. So listener, make sure that you go into the show notes, you check out theorderofman.com forward slash legacy. Make sure you listen to Ryan's podcast. He's the real deal. Go buy some of his books. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Ryan's the real deal, but can I be the real deal? Can I be the Ryan Mickler of my space? Do I have what it takes? And maybe there's some chattering monkeys in your head that are telling you that you can't do that. And I'm here to tell you that you can, and it's your birthright to be as successful as you're meant to be. And the best way for you to figure out how to do this quickly is to go to our website, ecircleacademy.com, and then click on the button in the top right-hand corner that says Success Call. Book your success call now. You get on the phone with myself or a member of my team, and we'll be happy to walk you through the process of how you can be the Ryan Mickler of your space. Ryan, my man, it was a total honor to have you on the show, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only Ryan Mickler, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com and to jump on a call with myself or a member of my team and find out if you can be the Ryan Mickler of your space, go to eastercoleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Until next time, goodbye.